Praise the Lord. Well, we're aware, right? Uh, this last week, uh, there was a lot of uh, the groups that met uh, discussing the subject from last week, and I uh, hope that uh, if you were a part of those groups, that you uh, were challenged and, uh, you know, just gave you some real insight and the brotherhood on, on those subjects. Now, today I'm going to talk to you about being aware of personal integrity, and we're going to talk about the word. Uh, now, this time I hope that my iPad has not eliminated my notes or I would be in trouble. But it looks pretty good. If you were here a few, about three weeks ago when I did the baggage message, remember that? Can you remember the baggage one? Bag, bag, bag. My wife says, I got two bags under my eyes and they're bought and paid for, but I couldn't. Are you there? <laughs> but anyhow, uh, we're going to talk about integrity. But really want to encourage you, if you haven't gotten into an aware group, uh, there's one here at the church. You can sign up yet. One every day of the week. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, really, really exciting. If you have your Bibles... Now, if you don't have a Bible or you didn't bring one, uh, our ushers will be happy to give you one. And if you don't have a Bible, you can take it home with you. If you have one, uh, feel free to uh, turn that back in because we really we want to have the text of the Word here. And I know some of you use uh, your little devices. I see Kelly's plugging into hers. I'll tell you an interesting story. We were at a, a Grace International Leadership meeting in Houston, and there's a number of older gentlemen that are a part of Grace International sort of like me, maybe even a little older than me. And uh, Chad was there, and uh, there was a speaker, and there was some discussion, and everybody had their Bibles, but Chad had his, his phone with the Bible on it. He was on this and this. But after the meeting, one of the older leaders came up to one of our other leaders and said, I don't know if you know, Pastor Chad is, is ready for us yet. He was fiddling around with his phone during the, our time. But Chad was, so I, I recognize if you're technical enough to use your Bible that we'll think you're, I mean, your phone is a Bible, that's cool too, all right? Integrity is an interesting word. I've got a lot of scripture. I want to I stay close to my notes, and, and I'm just going to just reel some off before we get into Daniel 6. We're going to talk today, probably there's four points I want you to get with me today. Prosperity, personality, purity, and priority as it relates to Daniel. Let me tell it, say these to you again. You might want to get how Daniel handled prosperity. How he hand, how, what his personality was about, about purity and his priorities. And we're going to look at that and overshadow that with the word integrity. Integrity is an interesting word. Uh, there are churches that are named Integrity Church, and, and it, it's a word that some of you have a, a fairly good grasp on, but I want to give you the biblical foundation for this word and how, when you're aware of how this functions, how it will help you in every area of your life. And uh, Daniel uh, is an interesting uh, Old Testament uh, character. Uh, He, like Joseph, probably, and and you probably could throw Esther in there or a few others, uh, most of the Old Testament characters, when we tell their story and we talk about their lives, there are some some stains. Now, like King David, for example, if you were tracking his life during the difficult times, he would have been on the cover of the Inquirer magazine when you check out of the grocery store. Are you there? But yet the Bible says he was still a man after God's own heart. But uh, in Daniel, you find not any trace of anything. And uh, basically, just to give you a little background, where we're going to pick him up today, he's 80 years old. That gives those of us that are over 60 some hope that uh, there's still, so doc, there's hope for you, uh, that you can still function and and move forward. But as you have your, your Bibles open to that particular portion of Scripture, I just want to share some other foundational scriptures, just quickly read them to you to set the foundation for the message today. 
Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you are, no matter what's going on in our lives, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are with us. You're, you surround us. And Lord, as we, as an individual body of believers and individuals in a body of believers, we pray that as we see these uh, very important aspects of the word integrity and how they play out in Scripture, Lord, if we become aware of those, and if there are any area that we need correction in, how it will help us to, even in the midst of difficulty, shine like, like the stars on a clear night. And Lord, I pray now that you would bless us as we study your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. I just, I'm going to just read a few of these scriptures before we launch into our, our text in Daniel. 1 Kings 9, 4 says this. Now if, we walk before, now, if you walk before me as your father David walked, in t- integrity of heart and in uprighteousness, to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments. Job, remember Job? He had it rough. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. Psalm 7, 8, the Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. Proverbs eleven three: the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Proverbs 19, 1, better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Proverbs 27, the righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. So integrity is integral. But what really is integrity? Let's, let's really explore it. Let's really get into it. I want to talk to you today about Daniel and Daniel 6. We're going to look at the first 16 verses in just a minute. But I think it's an important word, particularly in this season. And we talked about it last week, and I don't want to, you know, just over-talk that. But I will tell you, America is really at the brink of making some of the most, probably the most serious election cycle in the history of our country, as it relates to biblical values. So we need to look at the Word of God. We need to look at everything that we're going to do and the process that we're in with integrity. But now, really, what is the word? What is integrity? The Oxford English Dictionary says, integrity comes from a Latin word, integris, which means holiness, entireness, or completeness. It comes from the root word, integer, which means untouched, intact, or entire. Biblically, the Hebrew word translated integrity is tom. Do we have any toms here? Is there, is there no, one tom? So we don't have any integrity men here. No. It, it literally means upright, blameless, or transparent of character, it's interesting as, as you think about, and before we talk about Daniel, there is a book that I don't know if you've ever read it. It's entitled A Prophet with Honor. Do any of you know who that wrote that book? Billy Graham. Billy Graham now is approaching his 94th birthday. And at an extended, I mean, he was ministering back and really came on the forefront in the, in the mid-40s and was used unbelievably to reach tens of millions of people for Christ. 
And uh, when the author was interviewing him to do the book, he asked him, what is the one word? What is the one word that you would say is the most important word? And the author said, he just sort of cocked his head and he said, integrity. People don't know about Billy Graham. Even when he would travel, he always had men with him. If, his wife, if Ruth wasn't with him, he had men with him. Before he checked into a hotel room, he would have his people go into the hotel room and sort of sweep the room. And then as he would have them take the TV out of the room. Think about that for a minute. You think, well, that's a little drastic. But the reality was he did not want one thing ever to be said about him to stain his integrity. And, and, and probably of any man of God that, is, that has been in our generations here that has, has exemplified that thing called integrity, you know, he was the epitome of that. And, and as I told you earlier, there are few men in the Bible who there's absolutely nothing evil or perverse said about them. Uh, we could go through a name some hour. We talked about uh, Joseph. If you were to take a class in Bible college uh, called typology, uh, what they do is they'll take Old Testament characters, and uh, Joseph was a type of Christ. Now, you can really find no specific sin about Joseph. Now, he sinned because there was only one we know, Jesus, right? Uh, uh, you look at Esther, who was really tossed into a very difficult situation, uh, actually into a polygamous situation, and yet she had integrity, and, and God put her there for such a time as this. And then Daniel was, you know, really, uh, you, go ahead and read it. Go, turn to Daniel, read all about him, and see. Uh, I'm sure there was sin in his life, because we know Jesus was only the sinless one, but this whole thing of integrity. And uh, today I want to point you to four indicators of uh, Daniel's integrity. I told you they're this, how he handled prosperity, his personality, his purity, and his priorities. And we'll just dance through them uh, quickly, hopefully in the next few minutes. But let's look at, at the word uh, Daniel chapter 6. And it's important that we read these verses. The Bible is important. You know, what ministers and preachers say, that's fine. But if it's not framed solidly with good biblical hermeneutics. Now, hermeneutics is a word that, where you interpret the Bible correctly, right? I was telling one of our guys today, uh, Charles, who's going to be taking an integ- uh, a class on hermeneutics. And uh, uh, he, had, he hadn't heard the word, but he's, he's, he has Bible background, been to Bible college for a year. But like, for example, there's a scripture in the New Testament that says... Um, all things are mine, okay? Right? So I read the Bible, all things are mine. Well, you know, I think my wife would like your purse. The Bible says all things are mine. Now that's poor, that's, that's poor biblical hermeneutics. So what we want to do is frame the, the, the message today on integrity with good biblical hermeneutics. If it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom... 120 satraps to be over whole kingdoms. And over those three governors of whom Daniel was one, now he's 80 at the time, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then Daniel distinguished him. If you have a Bible, understand, under, under, underline that. Daniel distinguished himself. And let me just tell you on this whole thing about being aware, those of you who are in schools, workplace, families, neighborhoods, you need to distinguish yourself, right? And, and bathe yourself in how God wants you to do things. 
distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And that's what Nikki was talking about. Even though we were singing rain down, we were talking about raining the spirit of God down our lives. Remember, that's not a song service. Worship is to set you up to get your heart ready and your spirit in tune with God's spirit to receive the word. An excellent spirit. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now he set up this thing to establish his kingdom with all these leaders. But now because of the excellent spirit in him, Daniel gets the top spot. All right? And the governors and the satraps thought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Pretty impressive, isn't it? Isn't it? Say impressive. Yeah. And look, look, you know, read your diary. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. And I want to tell you what, that's happening today if you take stands. You can have integrity and you can distinguish yourself. But man, they're looking for something to twist relative to our relationship with God in the Bible. So the governors and the satraps thronged before the king and said to the king, King Darius, live forever. And the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, and the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statue and make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now the king established the decree and signed the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. That's a, uh, throughout the history when the Medes and the Persians were there, when the king said something, it was established and it wasn't changeable. Therefore, King Darius signed the written degree, decree. And when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home in his upper room with his windows open Toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom. What, what, what this is, if you're thinking, well, he was disobedient, he wasn't listening to authority, this is called civil disobedience. Charles Colson did a great teaching. Charles is with the Lord now, but I have it in my library, and it's awesome. He talks about when a person in America needs to look at the fact of civil disobedience. I'm not going to go there today. I have a tendency to to drift too, too close to those issues this time of year, so forgive me. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplications before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or any man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The king, it is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel... That man, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly distressed with himself. Because why? Because he loved that guy. He loved his integrity. He loved what, what was all about. And nothing says that this king was, was really even a, what we would call a, a, a believer in that period of time. And he set his head on Daniel to, heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then the man approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no degree or statue which the king has established may be changed. So the king 
gave command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the lion, den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, will deliver you. You see, when you really have the kind of integrity we're going to be talking about today, even when you're being tossed into a very difficult situation, God will deliver you. Can you say amen? So let's, let's just look at these four points rather quickly here today. The first thing that we see about him, and I told you so, is his prosperity. He was 80 years old. He had great integrity. He was given a tremendous position in this kingdom. And then he was so solid, so solid, that he rose to the top. We just read that in the scripture. There are two things that test a man's character and reveal whether or not he truly has integrity. The first one is how that man or that woman handles adversity. Hello? How many know life is filled with, filled with adversity? It's how you handle it at crunch time, how you respond in the difficult times, adversity. But there's even a greater test, and that's prosperity. Solomon said it this way, a good name is to be chosen above great riches, loving favor rather than a gift. Now, you can have a good name, that's good, great riches, but it's difficult to have both. After the uh, war between the states, which was a tragic time, General Lee, who, uh, where was it that he went and said, this is over? Appomattox, right? Wasn't that where it was? Come on, a little history lesson. Wake up. But after, but after, after the war was over, General Lee was broke. Didn't have money. Broke. And, and Virginia wanted to raise money because they were so broke, and we're seeing the same thing happen today. Uh, they wanted to start a lottery. You know? And guess what? I mean, you can throw a buck in, but it'd be better that you walk outside and not have the raindrops hit you and in a lightning storm expect to get, you know what I mean? Are you there? And so they asked him, they said, now this was a lot of money back then. They offered him $10,000 if he would let his name be put on uh, undersigning the lottery. And he said, I may be broke, but no one's going to buy my name. No one's going to buy me. You see what I mean? I, I thought that was an interesting uh, thing. Even though money was scarce, he wouldn't do it. My, he said, gentlemen, my name is all I have left, and it's not for sale. Many of you might be aware of Rick Warren, who pastors Saddleback Church in, in California. I met Rick on one occasion. We were in a small group meeting with him a number of years ago. He's a great guy. And uh, he wrote a book called uh, The Purpose Driven Life. He has made, because he was the author, tens of millions of dollars off that book. And uh, just so you know, when, when, all, this, when the, all these millions of dollars begin to pour into his personal coffer, how many, coffers, how many would say that was a level of prosperity? I mean, yeah, well, there's one or two of you think that, you know, I wish, you know, five keys would take off and dump, you know, 10 million or 20 million. Are you there? And my new book, uh, Aware. Oh, I, you know, wanted, hello. <laughs> but so, anyhow, what he did was this. He did a couple things. He'd been the pastor of the church for well over 20 years. He established the church. He calculated every dime that the church had ever paid him by way of salary, and he paid it back. Not that he had to. And then uh, from that point on, he began to give 91% of his income to the 
church and through causes and different things. In fact, my good friend Joel Holm, and maybe you remember Joel from Bayside, uh, works quite closely with Rick Ward. It's a great story. Uh, Rick was traveling over, I think it was in, in China or somewhere, or India. I think it was, no, it was India. And he bumped into a project that we had hooked up with Joel and done, and Joel wasn't there. And, and Rick Warren was so impressed by this project, and he had a guy with him. I mean, you know, if you have even, you know, even 10% of a bunch of millions or 9% of a bunch of millions, still some money, right? He has a guy traveling with him. He said, take a note, find out who did this. And uh, he got Joel's name, and he called Joel. Now, Rick Warren's, I mean, he doesn't, you know. So when he called Joel, he said, hi, this is Rick Warren. I'd like to, are you Joel Pavia? Are you... Uh, Joel Pavia, Joel Holm. Joel Pavia is my brother-in-law's age. And, uh, <laughs> and Joel thought some, one of his friends was spoofing him. But uh, today, Joel spends, I think, at least one, a couple days a week, not with, Joel, with, not with Rick's people, but with Rick, all right? And so uh, God opened that door, and now they're doing, expanding the kind of ministry that we were involved with with Joel. Hell, isn't that great? Isn't that how God works? And Joel made some uh, uh, in- steps of integrity when he was pressured that didn't make sense in the natural but turned into greatness. Really, really exciting stuff. So how you handle prosperity. And then someone asked uh, him, why do you suppose God let you write a book to make all this money? And if you've met Rick Warren, and just the, that day that we spent with him in, in Laguna Beach, California, 15 years ago, he was just a, just a neat, humble guy. You wouldn't think. And back then, he had one of the biggest churches in America. He said, because I think God knew how I would spend the money. Dealing with prosperity. And so it's important about that. So what, what are the intentions of my heart? What do I do? What do I say? What do I think? What do I do when no one is looking? We see that in his life. Second thing I want to talk to you about is his Personality. Personality. Daniel chapter 6, 2 says, And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so the king would suffer no loss. <laughs> Daniel had such a clean spirit, you know. Now, my wife is, 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 is a clean nick. My mother is here today. I want to tell you, if you go visit my mother, she's 91 years old. It is safer to eat off of her floor than, than, than most. I, I'm telling you, she just crazy about neatness. I mean, it's just, you don't find any dirt anywhere. You know what I mean? It's, it's sort of, and, uh, you know, we were always scrubbed and clean. We, we might not have been, had a lot of money, but we were clean. You know what I mean? And so, but there's a, a principle past keeping your house clean or your car clean or whatever. It's keeping yourself clean. And uh, some writer that I read said, you could not find a speck of dust on so integrity begins in the spirit. It's a condition of the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Daniel had a pure heart. He was 80 years old. God was still blessing him. And, I, and more and more I'm realizing that, you know, that the designated ages of hanging it up, uh, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't just get sold out on that. Now, I, I, our lives change and our responsibilities and our duties change, but I think you know, that age with integrity is a very solid thing to be able to, 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 to bring to people. And that's what Daniel exhibited to these guys, wisdom, experience. Uh, he'd been at this longer than other. He had seen the changes. He had rolled with it. He was a man of seniority. He was a man of superiority. Daniel 6, 3 says, Then 
This Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So he was transparent, he was decent, he was pure, a level of honesty that made him stand out even to this king who we have no indication was a a righteous spiritual man, but his spirit and what he emanated in his his workplace and, and his whole time there because he had come initially as a slave. And I want to tell you, that's what people need to be aware of. When you go out of the church today, when you go to your work, when you talk to your family, when you, when you share, people need to, and people will be drawn to people that are cool in the clutch, people that got it under control. Somebody say amen. I need a witness from the congregation. And it raised him above his peers. There's a saying that says, it's not what you know, it's who you know who counts. Let me tell you. And there is, you know, people have said that, well, you know, if you're connected and you know people. I remember when I was in Bible college, and we were not raised in in evangelical home, and I think I've told you this before, and uh, yet we got saved, but God knew us. But when I went to Bible college, and and I saw all of these guys who were so connected with other ministers, and their dads were pastors, and district superintendents, and leaders, they were really connected, I thought, how do I have a chance? And then there was a word from the Lord in the chapel service that said, it doesn't matter, I know your name. You see, God knows every one of you today. He knows what you brought in. He knows the baggage you're carrying. And he wants you to know that he is with you. And that's what really counts. Who am I at the core? Who am I when the lights are turned out? The second indicator of Daniel's length and integrity of service was his personality. The third indicator was his purity. Purity. Daniel 6, 4 says, So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault in him. Now, that's both interesting and a little bit of music. Daniel's co-workers became so jealous of him, and they couldn't find anything. I mean, he he, he withstood the, the severest IRS audit. Are you there? You know, he was willing to put his life under a a microscope, There was no hidden recording in the closet. No one had tapped his phone. They looked at his bank statements. All they could find was nothing, not even like I told you earlier, not even dust, not a piece of dirt. His life was clean. So that's where God is leading us, and that purity is what is being looked for today. You know, in a few weeks, first Sunday in November, Pastor Laurie is working with the kids now, taking him through a purity program. And on the first Sunday of November, when we're going to talk about aware of family and what's going on in family, we're going to have a number of kids that will come forward that have gone through a series of studies, and they're going to say, I'm not going to do alcohol, I'm not going to do drugs, I'm not going to have sex before marriage. Are you there? I'm going to learn how to respect authority even when I don't understand the authority. See, the world is looking for that. I remember the greatest compliment that was ever paid to my daughter, Brooke, was when the principal at Preble pulled me aside at a, at a, at a meeting, and he said, Arnie, your daughter's a cut above. And it wasn't because she's cute, and I have nothing to do with that. She's adopted, all right? <laughs> and he told me a story about watching her one uh, time in the, in the lunchroom. And, and, and for whatever the reason, you know, Brooke's sort of cute, and, you know, and we were able to she spent some of our money on clothes and stuff. Are you with me? And she said she was sitting with some of her friends, 
And he said there was a, another kid at a table, a girl, who was shoddily dressed, sort of a dowdy thing, and, and some kids started making fun of her. He said, I saw your daughter get up and go over to that other table and say, hi, come and join us. And he said, man, that just made my day. And then one, one last thing, and I'm, I can brag a little bit on my daughter. You know, they have the high school graduation parties, right? They have them. And you have, I don't get it. You know, this is the only place in America where people have them in their garages. <laughs> I, I don't get it. People got televisions in their garages, and they have their, they, you know, we always had our stuff inside. I, we put the cars in the garage, you know, and uh, I'm serious. You can go. You can go to Utah. Or, I mean, I travel all over the place, and you don't see the garage doors open and people having parties in anywhere. Maybe it's just, I don't get Well, that's okay. But anyhow, there was a knock at our door on, uh, Brooke's party was to start at 11 o'clock uh, and go till 6, and she had a lot of friends, and, and we had a lot of food. And at the door was uh, a mother with a young man who was obviously retarded. And, uh, oh, Brooke, you're there. And I said, yeah, she's here. And Brooke came and gave him a hug, shouted out his name, brought him in the house. And the mother said, can I talk to you a minute? I said, sure. She said, and she knew who I was. She said, Pastor, did you know that every day the last two years, your daughter picked up my son so he didn't have to ride the bus and be ridiculed by kids? And she started to cry. I want to tell you, that's, that's the kind of stuff we want to build into our young people. Now, is Brooke perfect? No. Oh, <laughs> When she was 18 months old, I, I had her in a stroller in, in a Fred Meyer store in Salt Lake City, Utah, and she was grabbing for something, and I slapped her hand. She said, don't you dare slap my hand. 18 months old. But you know, the, the power of the Word of God brought her around. <laughs> Before I move to the next point, let me just tell you this interesting story. There was a guy in Lugin, Lugin, uh, Laguna Beach who had a date, and they, were gonna go, they went into a chicken store, to buy some, uh, some chicken in a box, and they were going to go to the beach and have chicken on the beach. So they ordered the chicken. They were handed the box. And when they got to the, to the beach and opened it up, what it was was the manager had put the deposit and all the cash in this box to hide it, handed to these people the wrong box. And immediately, they turned around, brought the box full of money back to the, to the chicken store, and the manager was overwhelmed. He said, man, I can't believe this. You saved my life. He said, hang on. Would you guys hang around here? I'm going to call the TV stations. This would be a great story. And the guy said, no, 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 no. I don't want that. Don't. Please don't do that. And he said, uh, well, well, why? This is, I'm married, and this isn't my wife. <laughs> now, see, here, here, let, let, me just, let me explain this to you once. See, on the outside... Man, you're the honest, most honest guy I've ever seen, man. You're bringing the dough back, and you know. This thing called integrity is, 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 a, is a wide-sweeping thing. It's about purity, and it's about, are you, are you okay? What time is it? Oh, we're all right here. So let's move along. Fourth indicator of Daniel's integrity was his priority. Daniel's co-workers finally figured out how they could bring him down. They tricked the king into passing this law, and for 30 days, anyone who worshipped God other than the king would be thrown into the, into the pit. What does it says in Jan- Daniel 6.10? Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he belt, knelt down on his knees three times a day, 
prayed and gave thanks to God. You know what that tells me? Daniel was committed. He wasn't going to let something that he didn't understand or, or something that was, was put to make a trap for him. He was committed. That's what we need today. We need commitment in marriages. We need commitment in families. We need commitment at work. Come on, somebody say amen here. I think this is pretty good stuff. Let me tell you something about a man of integrity. A true man of integrity never fears anything or anybody. Mark Twain said this, the great theologian. Mark Twain, the great theologian. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. You like, write that down. If you tell the truth, you don't remember anything. You have to ask yourself, am I a man or a woman of integrity? Because men, if you don't have integrity, as far as I'm concerned, you don't have anything. Are you honest in your dealings with money? Are you faithful financially in what belongs to God and to his church? You have to ask yourself these in question. I mean, you might have it all together. But when the examination comes, you don't want, you, you don't want to be examined because there's, there's something back there. Do you always have it right regardless of what it will cost you? You do what's right regardless of what it will cost you? I want to tell you, no matter how much you try to hypothesize this whole thing and think about it, or how you rationalize it. When you stand before God, the only thing that is going to matter is, did you do it the right way? Abraham Lincoln. He said this, I do my very best, I know how. The very best I can. This was in O'Reilly's book on Lincoln. And I mean to keep doing so until the end. If the end brings me out all right, what is said against me won't amount to anything. If the end brings me out wrong, ten angels swearing that I was right will make no difference. Do what's right. Don't care what people say. I mean, I could give you a litany of things of what people have said about me over the years of ministry. Not that I've always been correct or made the right decision, but I want to tell you what. When I stand before God, I just I want to have him say, I don't want him to deal with anything moral integrity. Do you keep your vows? Do you keep your word? Do you keep your marriage vows? Are you a man or a woman of spiritual integrity? Do you walk with God? Someone has said that you can tell what a man is like by three things. You might want to jot these down. I'm not going to preach them. What makes you laugh? What makes you angry? And what makes you weep? Without integrity, your life will fail. The church will falter. The nation will fall. There's an ancient true story that just I'll close the message with today. In ancient China, the people sought security from the invading forces. So they built a they built a wall, the Great Wall of China. It was, it was very high, so people couldn't call, climb over it. Very thick, so they couldn't burrow through it. It was so long that they couldn't mount an attack to get in. So they thought they had it. Can't climb over. Can't burrow through. Can't go around. But in the time following the building of the wall, in just a few short years, they were overthrown three times. How did that happen? Because they bribed the gatekeeper. It's true. They should have made 
as much or more in t- uh, time on building a gatekeeper who couldn't be bribed, who would do what's right no matter what the cost. So really, that's what integrity is all about. You're the gatekeeper. How you process information. How you draw conclusions on what you hear. Oh, church, we sometimes blow it so, so terribly. So let's stand up, and I want to ask you this question. Um, and I think, I wish I could say I was Daniel. You could find a little dust on me here or there, a little dirt here and there, right there. I mean, I'm just being, I mean, I've been very careful in that area. But maybe if we really could get the full picture on Daniel, he'd say, hey, wait a minute, you know, I wasn't what they just grabbed in the scripture. I had a few issues. But how many of us would say, you know what, this message on integrity has really spoken to my heart today. And, and, and right now, I'm, I'm just going to, you know what, I'm going to open my heart and my life, and I'm going to solidly hold on to, and I'm going to be righteous, and I'm not going to be shaken, and I'm going to take the high road. You know what I mean? Can you, can you see? How many of you just lift your hand and say, man, that's what I want, Pastor Arnie. That's what I want. Father, I thank you today, Lord, that you would just infuse us with these points. Lord, infuse our personality and our prosperity and our, and our priorities. Lord, help us. Just help us in every area of the message today to be all God that would have us to be. And now, Lord, take us from this place, not with a frown on our face, but say, you know what? Experience would tell us that God is in control and that God has the best for all of his children. I thank you now in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great day. We love you in the Lord. Hopefully we'll see you next Sunday.